Hey everyone, welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we recommend queer TV shows, books, films, and more. I'm Tara Scott. I review sapphic fiction at the Lesbian Review and Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And this week I am recommending a queer sci-fi book. And I'm Chris Bryant, a contemporary romance writer for Bold Strokes Books. And this week I'm recommending a Netflix series. I'd sound like I said Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that probably does exist somewhere. Somebody's. You know, you're right. If not, they should. And you're welcome. (laughs) A Netflix series. There we go. Netflix, not anything that will get you arrested. Right. (laughs) Again, as always, thank you so much to everyone who supports the show via our coffee or signing up for the newsletter. We so appreciate you. We have links to both in the show notes. And again, we always um, appreciate reviews and ratings on podcast apps. Mm. So if you feel inclined, we will love you forever. But let's be honest, we would love you forever anyway. Um, True. And one last thing, if you have a friend that needs queer media recommendations, just please tell them about it. Chris. Yes. What's new with you? Well, I'm still pushing a deadline that I don't know that I'm going to hit. I mean, what is time? We talk about it all the time. mm -hmm. Like, what is it? Mm -hmm. So I'm on the downhill slide of it, but it's going to come in hot and messy. (laughs) Just like what you'd find on Netflix. Exactly. (laughs) Hot and messy. So I still, you know, I still haven't found my groove on the writing thing yet. You know, I'm still working towards that, going through some grieving stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's hard to be real creative and try to be, you know, happy and go lucky and write. But it's not happening yet. So yeah, so there that's happening. So mm-hmm. I have uh, probably about 30,000 words to write in the next two weeks. So yeah, I have that. Yeah. I went to a farmstead yesterday and I had a six day old calf suckle on my fingers and it was adorable. That sounds really sweet and a little gross, but mostly you know, sweet all at the same time. That's, <laughs> that's what we do here in the Midwest for, for good, clean American fun. That's what we do. Okay. I have, (laughs) speaking of Midwest, I have a question for you because I was listening to a podcast recently where somebody said that Kansas was generally considered kind of a Southern state. And I was like, is it? I thought it was considered Midwestern. Who's wrong here? It is directly West of me. It is Midwest. It might even be part of the whole Great Plains, maybe. Oh, wait. But no, they were talking sure. about Missouri. Sorry, Missouri. That's, no. Same question. We are, not, I know, <laughs> we are not in the South. We are, yeah, no, we're, we're right. Like, literally, you can pull a map of the United States, and we're, like, almost smack dab right in the middle yeah. of the United States. So we're not South. We're Midwest. Also for I sure. thought. I don't know. It was, it was weird. I was like, I'm a Canadian, but I'm pretty sure this is wrong. And I think you mean Mississippi, but here we are. Probably <laughs> Mississippi. M-I-S-S, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so, and my sister, she is trying really hard to get me to fly with her to Frankfurt in November so we can watch the Kansas City Chiefs play the Miami Dolphins. And Why I just might they? do it. Why are they playing in Frankfurt? Just to kind of share themselves with the world. Um, That's cool. Yeah. So this has been like a lot of times the NFL has taken games over to like England. They played. Oh, I didn't know that. Remember, I'm your non-sportsy friend. 
I think that's true. I think a lot of like military and stuff like that, people can mm. hit Frankfurt pretty easily that are overseas. So she's, t- I'm leaning towards yes. I'm, I might do it just like you should and like head out on a Friday, watch mm-hmm. the game, come back on a Tuesday, and I'll just be toast for like four days after that. Like pretend to work, but not really. What a great time. It sounds like so, an excellent plan. So I'm thinking about it. So that's new in my world. What about you? What's uh, what's new with you? My world? Not a lot. But mm. I got excited by a few pieces of queer news that I feel like are worth raising. Because honestly, like, my life is fine. New job is going great. Family's going great. Nothing super interesting there. But mm. as an update, remember how we're here with nominated for a Peabody? Yes. Better news, they won that Peabody. I just think that is so, so well deserved. Well deserved. Yeah. So well deserved. And also, like, that is a massive deal that, like, at this time when there's still so much anti drag, anti trans, anti LGBTQ legislation, to have this show that was like documenting drag queens going into towns, one of them. I mean, I think Eureka even comes out as a trans woman on the show, doesn't she? Oh, I can't remember. Or, well, it was either that or she was inspired by a trans woman in the last uh, couple episodes. And that's part of her like, oh, shit. No, yeah, I am a trans woman. Because Eureka has a really interesting history in that there was a period, I think, in her early 20s where she had transitioned. And then for it sounded like social reasons in her life detransitioned. And then identified as non-binary for a while and now is like living her truth as this like incredible trans woman. So that made me really happy. Janelle Monet dropped a new song called Lipstick Lover. It's so, so good. I think I listened to it on repeat for a while when I found out about it. That video. Holy shit. (laughs) That I just showed you because I was like, wait, you haven't seen this? I can't believe it's on YouTube. I mean, I've been seeing clips of it on her Instagram too. And it's just like, she's topless. Lots of people are topless. Would you like to see a bunch of beautiful breasts and butts? Go watch that video. I'm just going to point out that she's from Kansas City. Boom. So she posted a video of showing it to her mother (laughs) and asked, what did you think? And her mom (laughs) said... I think it would have been nice if there was a man's booty in there too. You're flexible. (laughs) (laughs) It was so cute. And the other thing I really love about this is that it's so counter to the narrative that so many people have about Janelle Monae. Because Mm -hmm. there was that whole, you know, that period when she was just like wearing suits all the time. And so Mm -hmm. then there was a lot of talk about like her as a respectable black artist and a respectable queer artist and look Mm. at and she dresses and it's just this like fuck you i'm a sexual being too right and you can all eat it because i don't give a shit what you think it's so incredible and it's being released now in anticipation of her dropping a whole new album next month so (laughs) janelle monet fans get ready and then finally chris have you heard of bigless dickless wolfwood (laughs) At this point, I'm pretty sure all of us have heard of uh, yeah, as Bigless, long as you're on Twitter. Oh Wolfwood. My God. <laughs> like the joy, the absolute joy. So Bigless Dickless Wolfwood, for the people that don't know, 
is the handle or the like descriptive handle of an account on Twitter. And it's a Trigun fan account. And Trigun is a manga and an anime. And, you know, this person tweeted, they took the cover of the book, This is How You Lose the Time War by Mac Gladstone and Amal El Morar and said, read this. Do not look up anything about it. Just read it. It's only like 200 pages. You can download it on Audible. It's only like four hours. Do it right now. I'm very extremely serious. And then I think the the next tweet says, grabs you personally by the throat. You will do this for me. You will go to the counter at Barnes and Noble. You will buy this. I will be greatly rewarded. (laughs) And it blew the fuck (laughs) up. It went like, and I found out because I follow Amal Almodar on Twitter. And she was tweeting about how like, oh my God, this person named Bigelow's Nicholas Wolfwood tweeted this. And like, it's going up and up and up in the Amazon charts. And it went like to the top of Amazon sales. And there's been all these write-ups about it. And I'm just so delighted. I, that. I know. And I love everything that has happened since then too. Mm-hmm. It got mentioned, what was it at the Hugo Awards? Barnes I think? And, yeah. The Barnes and Noble, their internal newsletter. <laughs> it's ending up like write-ups all over the place. My personal favorite tweet was somebody saying the impact that and then like the Twitter handle tag has had is such that I, a non-Trigun fan who got into it because of the Time War tweet, today saw someone reading Time War at an American high school and said aloud Bigelus Dickelus and the horrified understanding of the look they gave me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, what's better than that? (laughs) Like, I love it. I love Twitter. I love the power of it. Yeah. I'm still sad that like it's falling apart and not True. working properly because Elon Musk fucked it over. But mm-hmm. like these are the moments that keep me there right. still. Yes. Yes. And people can be so clever. Yes. And that is the platform for clever people for sure. Yes. I think also, I mean, I'm sure there is a certain amount of that tweet being shared was literally because Bigelow's Dickless. Yeah, the name. (laughs) Yeah. But also really does show that power of word of mouth when you say something in a really compelling way. And there's, and sometimes there's a little bit of a stunt associated with it somehow, like a name like Bigelow's Dickless, but just like that power of no marketing machine could have constructed that impact. Right. Everybody needs a fan like this person. (laughs) And I'm sure that he has been reached out to several times by other people. Oh, yes. I'm sure. Oh, mm -hmm. almost certainly. Yeah. So, Chris, what have you been reading or watching lately? Okay. So, since I am writing, I'm not reading. So, I have been watching Jeopardy Masters. Mm -hmm. So, that's on primetime, like, it's the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And Amy Schneider and Matea Roach, you know, my two faves. Yeah. Her people love them. Are they oh. competing against each other? Yes. Okay. Oh, so, no. yes. Who do you even root for at that point? So, so here's the deal. So, uh, so this whole competition goes on for several weeks. Mm-hmm. So it has like six really good competitors. And it's like James Holtar, Matea Roach, Amy Schneider, mm-hmm. Sam. Andrew and who I can't, th- I think that's it. Sam the Andrew other one. <laughs> and the other one. Oh, Matt Amodio. 
Yeah, that's who it is. So, um, yeah. So anyway, so they compete over several, like, like every week there's like two or three or four episodes and they just go by points. Mm-hmm. And so the ranking and whoever gets the highest becomes the master. So right now, I think Amy Schneider is really close to dropping out. I think uh, Matea's in there, but she's not. The, I'm sorry, they. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, so Matea is uh, not doing super well. I really wanted them to do well. I really did. Mm-hmm. But meh, meh. But I'm still watching it. Oh, so I watched, uh, um, I think it's Amazon Prime. I watched the movie Air. Okay. And it is the shoe story, the Jordan shoe story, Michael Jordan shoe story of how that came to be. And because I sell shoes, you know, I've sold shoes Mm -hmm. since 1998. So I'm all about learning how things came about. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just such a fascinating story. And it has a really good cast. It has... um, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, they're in it. And it all takes place in 1984. And the music is amazing. Like the soundtrack is great. And just the story itself. Who knew? I didn't know. I didn't even know this movie existed. When did it come out? It just came out. Like, I don't know, this month. May 5th, I think. May 5th. Like, it just came out. And here's the beautiful thing. So, Mm -hmm. like, what you know, everybody hates Nike. I get it. Whatever. But I will say what Nike did is because of Michael Jordan, like actually his mom, Michael Jordan's mom, is responsible for negotiating a deal where he gets paid every time a pair of Jordans are sold. And he's the first person to ever have that happen. He set kind of the precedent for like mm-hmm. all these massive, you know, major sports figures. And so instead of Nike getting all the money all the time, now along with Adidas and Converse and all the different other shoes that have, you know, star power representation, mm-hmm. they uh, all get, you know, the, the players get a lot of money now for it. And that never happened wow. prior to that. Like the whole deal, it was, it was crazy. The deal was like for, to sign him, he hated Nike. He didn't want anything to do with Nike. And so his mom made him go to this meeting and it was for $250,000 a red Mercedes, like 280SL or 380SL. I don't remember exactly what the uh, the model number was. Mm-hmm. And then the mom negotiated a percentage of like royalties, I guess, on the shoot. Every, every single time something went out the door or was sold with his name, he got a percentage of it. Oh, man. Which is probably where he made the bulk of his money, right? Oh, for sure. He's So, of course, you know, I'm like going down this. And it was so funny because when when that deal, Ben Affleck, he plays like the CEO of Nike and he's like, I, he goes, just go ahead and do it. Just seal the deal. Let's just do this because we need a basketball division. Let's do it. So he, Matt Damon is the one who's kind of like hmm, in charge of it all, you know, just mm-hmm. not of it all, but just of this particular negotiation. He's he's responsible for it. So he makes the deal and uh, Ben Affleck, he's like, well, I mean, how many shoes are we really going to sell? Like $3 million worth. And so like, and so they have like this, the information that pops up on the screen. It says the very first year that Nike sold the Air Jordans, they sold like $162 million worth. Yeah. And so, so Michael Jordan right now, he is worth $2.2 billion. And they said that his annual, uh, what do they call it? Like rest pay where he doesn't do anything. It's just like his royalties. He makes 400,000 or 400 million a year on his his name oh my god 
So it was really cool to see how how the shoot came about and how like they talked about the Nike swoosh and then how the guy who designed the Air Jordan where he's up in the air. I don't know if you've seen that logo. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody has. Um, so oh, that, yeah. that whole thing, the whole backstory was just so fascinating, you know, and since I love shoes and sell them, I mean, I, of course I was digging it, loved it. Someone made you a movie. <laughs> I know it was great. Also, I like to say on regular, regular Jeopardy, like daytime, not daytime, I guess that's called daytime Jeopardy. It's just the one that plays every week, every day. Sure. Anyway. So I'm the original on, Jeopardy, <laughs> the original, not the masters, mm-hmm. but and there's also the tournament champions and teach There's a whole bunch of different Jeopardies. Yeah. So just the regular Jeopardy. I'm crushing on Hannah Wilson. So she made it eight episodes before losing, but she's going to be in the Tournament of Champions. And why am I bringing up Hannah? It's because she's a trans woman and Amy Schneider tweeted the most amazing tweet about her. It was so, it made me laugh. So this is the tweet. Huge congratulations to Hannah Wilson. Welcome to the Guild of Jeopardy champion trans women. One of us will be in contact shortly to explain the secret handshake and so forth. (laughs) because there's you know with jeopardy any type of queer representation like people come out and just attack and it's not just it's just people who watch the show they just you know i don't know i'm surprised that there are people who watch it and who are just so hateful but i also they're like our grandparents ages well i mean i've been watching jeopardy since i was like five well maybe not five but that was like 10 years ago so that's true that was only like 15 years ago <laughs> 16 i can drink legally so I, i'm surprised because you would think with as much queerness as jeopardy has on it now that people would just like people like that would just go away like oh this isn't the show for me i'm just gonna stick with wheel of fortune you know just leave jeopardy alone leave jeopardy to the fun yeah. queer people who are smart like let's do that just leave it alone yeah leave it to the queer nerds right love it and the very last thing is Fear of the Walking Dead started up. And so right before we recorded, I like had to watch the episode. It was on Sunday night mm-hmm. and my Sunday was so busy. So um, I just watched it. I'm excited. It's the final season for this, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Fear of the Walking Dead, whatever that is. Because there's series? like a bunch of, yeah, series. Because then there's a bunch of other offshoots like there's the daryl dixon that's starting up uh and june is maggie and negan in new york there's like a bunch of i'm so happy i can't tell you how happy i'm with all this apocalyptic zombie stuff that's (laughs) in my life right now i'm like i'm so fucking happy (laughs) you're getting tips for when you go into the water wars you're like i'm gonna stay alive i'm gonna do this from the show and this from this one this is what's going to happen. And I, I don't know. I know we've joked about it before, but I swear to mm-hmm. God, if there's an apocalypse, I'm going to be so like, I think I'm going to be ready for it. And I'm going to be the first one to die. I just, that's my fate. I can tell. You know what? That probably is true. There was a book that yeah. I listened to. Neil recommended it. It's called Deep Survival by a guy named Lawrence Gonzalez. And the basic premise of the book boils down to having survival skills does not actually necessarily mean that you will survive in the situations in which you need them. Mm -hmm. And actually, when you look at like, there was this like a plane went down in South or Central America and it was like the teenager who didn't know fucking anything about how to take care of herself that managed to live versus like you know, the, the guy who would have some kind of extreme training of sorts. And then he dies in this circumstance that makes no damn sense because (laughs) it's almost like the training can make you cocky or make you feel like I know what I'm doing versus Mm -hmm. the person who doesn't know what they're doing. 
and they're yeah like they're just kind of being careful and making the best choices they can so i think (laughs) that could translate to the zombie apocalypse right i'm gonna be like hey everybody follow me and as i'm turned like some zombie's gonna bite the back of my neck i just know that's gonna happen it might anyway so that's what i have been watching what about you what have you been reading or watching lately drag race finally Mm -hmm. thank goodness it was so weird having like what three or four weeks with nothing Mm -hmm. i was like Mm -hmm. you continue to expect me to figure out something on a friday night so rude (laughs) um but they're back with all-star season eight it is an interesting Mm -hmm. cast um i i have some questions about how they landed on this but i think there will be some good drama which is good I find it a little strange that two episodes in, they haven't brought up the fact at all that two of the contestants perform together at brunch every or almost every weekend. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's a little strange, but... oh, So Drag Race has this, especially for the U.S. franchises, they have this, a sister series called Untucked, which is basically what happens when RuPaul and the judges are, you know, talking and, and having conversation and whatever. And so it's this, like, behind-the-scenes show and the very first episode they're doing like kind of the oh no you're in the bottom two that's so sad and this other fucking queen who is safe broke down sobbing about how she was afraid that maybe she wasn't going to be good enough but she's so happy that she's good enough i was like what is happening (laughs) what's happening so there's gonna be a lot of fun drama I haven't started it yet, but I'm extremely excited to start the new Queer Eye season. Ah! I'm going to be doing that soon. Episode four. Me. I'm on episode four. You're ahead of me. Mm-hmm. But I'll get there. Because mm-hmm. I've been waiting. I feel like I've been waiting for this one for a few months, too. I'm really excited about we it. We have to talk about this next time. At when your Next podcast, we'll definitely have to talk about some of the episodes because yes. I have feelings. Okay. Okay. I okay. will come back. That is my commitment. Everybody okay, else, good. you do it, too. We should all watch the new season of Queer Eye together and then we'll all be ready Mm -hmm. Um, and then there was a kids movie I watched this with my youngest my eight-year-old it's called Strange World it's on I think we watched it on Disney plus it's cute but there's a character who's the son and he has a crush on a boy and like it's just like little bits here and there mm-hmm. but it was really cute and I was like yeah go Disney actual queer <laughs> rep none of this other bullshit you've been doing because <laughs> even at one point like his grandfather it's really not worth going into the whole story but anyway he meets his grandfather basically for the first time and this kid is probably like middle school or high school age and it comes up that he's interested in a boy and I was like oh man is this grandfather be a dickhead <laughs> no It was like, it was no Mm. big deal. It was so lovely and made me really happy. So if you got a kiddo and you have to watch a movie, it's a movie. It's a movie. You could do worse than Strange World. It is not the best kids movie I've seen, but it is far from the worst. And then on Nintendo, I am playing a game called Loop Hero. So for, it's also on Game Pass for people that have Xboxes. It's very, very fun. It's stupidly addictive. The idea is that you are this like warrior or something and you wake up and you don't remember anything. And you're literally the board is just your little dude is going around in a loop and you have to like add things on the loop. So like you need to add 
tougher monsters so you get better cards because it's supposed to be kind of like a a card based game and it's this idea of continual improvement and if you continually like yeah you're gonna die or have to get off that board at some point but that means you go back to camp you build more shit up and then kind of the more you build the better you are the better the stronger you are so it's kind of one of those like yes you die but that's sort of the point and you get better through failure and learning and that kind of thing so it's great Hmm. now chris Yes. What is your official recommendation this week? Okay. So my official recommendation, Jesus. Okay. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) my official recommendation this week is a little bit different. It's Netflix's or Netflix, uh, (laughs) Queen Charlotte, which is a Bridgerton story. And it's a prequel to the Bridgerton series where we learn the Queen story. Mm -hmm. So in the Bridgerton series, you know, the queen's older, she has a ton of kids, but in this short series, there's only six episodes and we learn how she becomes the queen and her relationship with the king, George III, and how they handle his madness, right? Mm -hmm. So, and it's, okay, so that's an incredible story in itself, but I want to talk about the secret side relationship between the queen's loyal secretary named Brimsley, and the king's loyal secretary named Reynolds. And I say loyal for both because they are fiercely loyal to the royalty. And that relationship comes first. And they argue and they get angry when the other won't cooperate with each other's professional requests. But in the privacy of their bedrooms, they are on fire. Fire. Yes. And you know how I am about chemistry. I have to feel it. I have to believe it. And I am watching this and I'm like, their chemistry is off the charts. It is so good. Like, like the kissing is so believable. I'm like, I went Mm -hmm. in on that. I'm like, who am I? I went in (laughs) on that because they kiss so well together. Yeah. And it was funny because when I first started watching it, I was like, Brimsley, that looks like Niall from The Voice. He's also from like One Direction or something like that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. One of those kids. Because they look so much alike. And so I actually had to Google it because I wasn't sure who who Brimsley was. But anyway, so they are very playful in the privacy of their rooms. They, like I said, they kiss very well. And it's very sweet to say. And I will say that like Bridgerton, the series has a lot of sex on screen i don't know if you Mm -hmm. know that did you see any of the bridgerton series Mm -mm. did you what the fuck watch that (laughs) shit (laughs) you're my friend you need to watch that but the only problem is they didn't really give brimsley and reynolds the same kind of airtime i mean you see Mm. reynolds kind of go down on brimsley and it kind of fades to black you know what happened you know they're in a sexual relationship you learn that it's a love relationship a very loving relationship and they have a really adorable bathtub scene. And it's just, it just feels really romantic. And then you think about, well, they didn't give them the same kind of airspace as they have other couples, but they're mm-hmm. kind of a secondary couple anyway. But eh, anyway. yeah. So this, the relationship, you know, was it private? Yes. The entire time, yes. But it was still wonderful to see. You know, I'm positive their job. And I know that this, it, like I said, it comes first, their job their loyalty to royalty is first and foremost before love before marriage it was the job and at one point in the series queen charlotte looks at brimsley and she's like did you never have children and he looks at her like what the fuck i have he didn't say this but he's just like looks at her like i have been by your side 
since, you know, for like 40 years, like you've, I've seen you when you were 17, I was kind of your confidant sort of when you first got here. And Mm -hmm. like, he literally has given his life for his queen. And, you know, that is lovely and sad at the same time. And it was that whole relationship changed. I mean, like literally she showed up when she was 17 and he was there for her. He's like, ma'am, I, or ma'am, he said, queen, I am always five steps behind you. Cause she's like, walk with me. And he's like, no, my job is five steps behind you. Mm-hmm. So it was, he was always there. You know, she leaned on him a lot until she started getting into her own, like I am queen. And then she kind of forgot about him. So yeah, anyway. I think that if you like historical romances or if you like Bridgerton, Bridgerton, or uh, if you just like, you know, historical romances, just watch Queen, just watch it. It's, it's short. Like I said, it's only six episodes and you don't have to see the first two seasons of Bridgerton to know what's going on. And there kind of has been hints of queerness in Bridgerton, uh, but this was the first openly gay on-screen couple in this whole storyline. So I recommend it. Sounds good. Yeah, it's really good. I enjoyed it. Are not the first person I've talked to lately that has recommended. I've been hearing really good things. Wow. I was hesitant. I I really wasn't going to watch it. I was like, oh, she's so hateful in Bridgerton. She's not hateful. She's just not, not likable. She's not likable. Yeah. And but then you see the reasons why. You know, you get her story, and you're like, oh, okay. Now I understand why you're kind of a bitch. But anyway, yeah, mm-hmm. I like. I recommend it. What about you? What is your official recommendation this podcast? Okay. So this time I am actually choosing something that I have not read recently. I had something lined up that I had read recently and then Big Listicolous exploded the internet (laughs) by talking about this is how you lose the time war. And so my recommendation (laughs) for this week is this is how you lose the time war. It is one of the most exquisite pieces of writing I've ever read in my life. And I probably would have recommended it much sooner, except I tend to recommend things that I read recently or watched recently. But it was funny and seeing like, I I was so excited when I saw how this was blowing up all over again. I remember how excited I was reading it. And it was like when I, the first time I read it, It was kind of like the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo, where it's like, everybody's freaking out. Okay, fine. I'm going to get in on this thing. And then reading it and going, oh shit, they're not, they're not kidding. They're correct. (laughs) And so it is a sci-fi, is it a novel at 200 pages or a novella? Oh, sure. No, no, no. Well, no, it's a novel. It's a, it's a, it's quite a, it feels like quite a short novel. Yeah, I guess a, we'll if say. it's word count, I mean, word count what's, is what makes it novella. So if it's anything over 45,000 words, it's an, uh, a novel. Mm, okay. So it's uh, probably a short novel. Yeah, it's not it's not a very long read, but there are there are times when I can't remember if it was like the writing felt dense, but there were definitely times where I slowed down my reading. And I think sometimes it was just to enjoy the way it was written because Mm, it was so, so beautifully written at times. So everything is kind of told there's these two agents. One is red and one is blue and they are on opposite sides of the time war. And so there's the agency 
which is the more tech, mech, dystopian sort of Mm. side. And that's who Red works for. Red is this like elite operative, has been trained to be this like super lethal weapon. She's the best one that they have. And then on the opposite side is the garden, which is organic, uh, much more natural. They share a collective consciousness. And Blue is one of their very top ones. And these two agents are in this constant battle because they're trying to change history or undo the changes that the other one has made because the agency and the garden are both going for dominance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they can't, they can't give up, right? Like that's just, somebody's got to win this thing. <laughs> and so Red finds this letter and it's like this, you know, it's actually just as the blurb says, among the ashes of a dying world, an agent of the commandment finds a letter and it reads, burn before reading. (laughs) And it starts this correspondence between the two of them. And they're each trying to get to that future where their side wins, but each time they leave something for each other. And Although, yes, the whole like falling in love via correspondence thing can be extremely cheesy in a lot of ways. Uh, um, This one, I feel like, is so different because it is two people on opposite sides of war. But that war, like they're jumping through time. And it's so different the way they the way they do that. Like, it's so smart. And. You don't actually know. Like, I think at one point there was a letter that was like in a feather or a leaf or something like that. Hmm. Like, it's not a conventional somebody is you're like taking a pen to paper or I'm going to type out an email. It's like they find these really clever ways to embed the messages there for each other Hmm. to there's a point where a decision has to get made near the end. Am I choosing the war? Or am I choosing my love? And this book is so... Well, I want to read it now. It's so beautiful. Mm. It's stunningly written. Have you heard of epistolary novels before? Yes, I have. Yeah. So for people that haven't, um, because it's a word that I really mostly only heard when I was, you know, going to university, getting an English degree or two. <laughs> <laughs> um And it's the idea that it's a novel that's all told in letters. Mm -hmm. And this is almost like half epistolary, if you will, because we get the full contents of their letters to each other. And so we really get their voices so clearly in that. But then there's also narrative that's outside the letters, Hmm. which is usually either on their way towards or away from, you know, finding the letter and reading it. and. I just think I've not even think I know I've never read anything quite like this before. It feels far more sci-fi. Like I wouldn't say this is a romance novel. Hmm. I would say there absolutely is a romance in it mm-hmm. and it is a love story, but it's not, it's certainly not a conventional romance novel because there's just something like it doesn't it doesn't fit the structure of a typical romance novel, okay. right? Like it's more mm-hmm. it's more sci-fi, but also it works because of the romance. And like it's just 
beautifully layered. It's so brilliant. And I got to say, I agree with Bigless Dickless Wolfwood that everyone <laughs> should read this. Drop everything. Should read this story. So, yeah, that's my recommendation. And it's only a couple hundred pages. So, yeah. It kind of reminds me of like the Terminator when you were talking about the, uh, the going back in time to change things and constantly going back in time. Can you imagine just how much destruction a time machine would really cause if it fell in the wrong hands? So much, Hmm. so much. Now I'm, now I'm thinking of the joke that everybody's answer of what they would do at the time machine is stop Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, they would go back to like the biggest Powerball and pick the, or maybe that's just me and pick the, you know, the, the $1 billion thing. Like back to the future too. Right. Yeah. And or buy Amazon stock or Apple stock or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. when I'm 19 or 20 or whenever it came out, 30, yeah, just I don't make know. All that money. Right. Like, what would mm-hmm. you tell yourself? It's so funny because you always see online, like what three words would you be, would you tell yourself? Like your 12 year old mm-hmm. self or your 10 year old self or 15 year old. Can you always like, buy Amazon stock? <laughs> I know, buy it. <laughs> Mine's always buy Amazon stock or buy Apple stock. I'll be like, what the hell does this mean? Why did I tell myself this? So, yeah. Guess I'll write it down and remember it later. <laughs> yeah, which I want to. Mm-hmm. That's fair. <laughs> well, it sounds like a really good read and I am very interested in it. So I will probably hit it after I'm done writing my my book. Yeah, it does sound like it's a good one. It's honestly, it's a fabulous one. Well worth it. So if you didn't listen to Big List Dickless, please listen to me (laughs) and check out that book. I'm going to listen to you. Yay. That is all for this episode. Thank you. Thank you everyone for joining. If you've enjoyed the show and you haven't subscribed yet, like we've asked you every other time we do this. Please make sure you do. It's Monday. That's true. We should have warned y'all we were recording this on a Monday. Maybe you noticed by the recurring Netflix Mm -hmm. joke. (laughs) Um, If you have a friend that you think would like the show, please tell them all about it. And if you want to support us, we have links in our show notes to coffee, which you can use to send money or uh, just sign up for the newsletter. And also, if you have a favorite part of the newsletter, please reply and let me know because we want to make it something that you all want to read. Right. I highly recommend you give us suggestions. Okay. So in other news, if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, we have links in the show notes for that. uh, Or you can just search for Clearly Recommended on Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, TikTok, and Twitter, or email us at podcast at clearlyrecommended.com. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.